text for sermon this morning comes from the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 24. Philippians 2, 19 through 24. Let's hear the living word of our living God. By trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your sake. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as, as I see how it goes with me. For I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. In Philippians 2, verses 19 through 24, we see a small glimmer of the love that Paul had for the church at Philippi. He speaks of his desire to send Timothy to them so that he might be encouraged by the report that Timothy would bring back. We also see a glimmer of Paul's intense love for the Lord in his statement, for all seek their own not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Paul, with Timothy, had a singular desire that all would seek the things of Christ, that they would not seek their own things, but they would seek the things of their precious Lord and Savior. Now, Paul did not mean that absolutely everyone except Timothy sought their own things, but rather he, he meant that nobody at his disposal currently sought the things of the Lord like Timothy. It's a sad reality that in today's day and age that seeking our own things is a common sin among Christians, and especially among gospel ministers. William Harris states, many prefer their own credit, ease, and safety before truth, holiness, and duty. The things of their own pleasure before the things of Christ's kingdom and honor and interest in this world. There truly are many things to seek for in this life. Some seek to establish their own righteousness. Others seek for the glory and praise of men. The Jews during Paul's day sought for a sign and yet rejected Christ for all the signs he showed them. The Greeks sought after wisdom. But when wisdom personified came in human flesh, they rejected it. For God coming in human flesh was a shameful thing for them. There are those who exclusively seek their own profit, no matter the cost to themselves or others. And yet, there's one treasure that far outweighs the others. The treasure of Christ and His glory is a treasure that moth and rust cannot corrupt and that thieves cannot 
break in and steal. The things of Christ are the greatest gain we can have in this world. Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 8, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. How is your desire for the things of Christ this morning? Would you, with Paul, be willing to count all things as loss so that you could gain more of Christ? In Psalm 27, which Bruce read earlier, David said, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David's singular desire was to dwell in the house of the Lord. He sought the things of Christ because he saw the supreme worth of beholding the beauty of the Lord. He saw the supreme worth of being in the Lord's presence, of doing the Lord's work. For he knew what a great God he served. He knew that the Lord was a God of his salvation, his only hope in this life, his only refuge in this life. In our text, in Philippians, Paul commends Timothy for the ways in which he seeks the things of Christ. And there are three characteristics that Paul brings about out about Timothy in our passage. Paul says that Timothy was like-minded. He says, Timothy sincerely cared for the state of others. And Timothy served with Paul in the gospel. So this morning, I want to encourage you to seek the things of Christ in these three different ways. Being like-minded, caring for the state of others, and in serving in the gospel. The first way that we can seek the things of Christ is by being like-minded. Now, you may recall that the last time I preached here, I also spoke of the need to be like-minded. However, this word like-minded is a different word from the one Paul uses in Philippians 2 verse 2. Like-minded in Philippians 2 verse 2 meant to have the same type of deliberate thinking, to have a shared understanding that is observable. To be like-minded in the sense of our text this morning is to be similarly minded, to view one another as an equal as the deepest and closest of friends. Paul and Timothy were the deepest and closest of friends. And we hear this type of like-minded friendship uh, being talked about in 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, Paul encourages Timothy by saying, You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. One of the ways that we can seek the things of Christ 
is by being like-minded, is by carefully and steadfastly following the doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, and afflictions that follow from obedience to the Scriptures. We are called to imitate Paul, even as Paul imitates Christ. And we properly imitate Paul by following the word of Christ, the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. And this, this reminds us once again that that truth is the foundation, is the basis for our like-mindedness. And this is a crucial point in today's context. Modern academia seeks for unity. Politicians are calling for the United States to be unified. However, they destroy the basis for unity by saying that there is no such thing as one absolute truth. Modern academia seeks to validate everyone. It declares the only truth that matters is the truth that you believe. It says it does not matter what you believe. So long as you believe it, it will be true for you. Yet such statements do not produce unity. By saying it doesn't matter what you believe, the world has made everyone their own individual God. The world has made the individual the arbiter of right and wrong, of good and evil in essence, have gone right back to the Garden of Eden when Eve took of the fruit so that she could be like God, knowing good and evil. The world has created thousands and thousands of truths in an attempt to get rid of the one truth that condemns them and saves them. And the Apostle John writes in Second John 1, he says this, To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. John loves in truth. And it is truth from which flow love and unity. Truth should be what unites the people of God because Jesus Christ is the truth. Our unity as Christians is not found in some abstract, cold, impersonal idea. Science clamors around facts and statistics, formulas, test tubes, and beakers. Yet man is so much more than just a thinking organism. Man is a desiring, feeling, and thinking person. And so what an amazing truth. That truth is found in the living person of Christ. It's not found in cold, abstract ideas, but it is found in the person of our blessed Savior. And so, are you seeking the truth in the person of Christ? Do you make it a regular habit to find out more about the person of Christ by reading your Bibles? Do 
make it a diligent duty to determine what the Bible says about parenting, about your work, about marriage, about old age, about politics? Do you go to the scriptures to figure out why you do the job you do? To figure out what principles drive the job you do? It's our calling as the followers of Christ to view everything with a Christ-honoring world and life view that is governed the truth of Christ. We need to interpret our jobs, our callings, through a biblical lens such that we design bridges for the glory of God, such that we nurse and care for those who are sick for the glory of God, for biblical principles and in accordance with biblical principles. And in this way, Even though everybody is doing something different and has a different calling in this life, we are unified in the truth. We are seeking the things of Christ together by orientating our life around Him. And this like-mindedness, that's that's like-mindedness around the truth, is one of the fruits of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is seeking the things of Christ because it promotes peace and unity. Christ, the Prince of Peace, said in Matthew 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Do you actively pursue peace in your relationships? By striving for that deep and close friendship. By striving to be like-minded with Christ. Is that one of your goals in this life? Yet, what do we do about disagreements? Massive disagreements. Differences of opinion and variations of doctrine are part of living in a fallen world. How can we be like-minded when we have disagreements? You will recall that Paul himself had a major disagreement with Barnabas. We read of of this disagreement in Acts 15, verses 36 through 41. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. When it comes to disagreements, the sad reality is that Paul and Barnabas were sinners just like us. They were subject to the same passions and disagreements that we are. Both men had Valid concerns with either taking Mark or leaving Mark. Ideally, it would have been best 
if these men had found some way to deal with their disagreements or found somebody to mediate between their two opinions. But this history is a reminder to us, uh, calling to us to be quick to judge ourselves and repent of sin when disagreements come. It's a calling for us to take stock of ourselves, to inspect ourselves. But it's also a calling for us to be quick to show grace and mercy to others. To be quick to love others who have disagreements with ourselves. While Paul and Barnabas did not have a disagreement over doctrine, they had a disagreement over how to practice how to go about ministry. They were not like-minded. Yet we must be ever mindful of the fact that until we reach the glory of heaven, there will always be occasions for disagreement and disunity. This should encourage us to be ever prepared for when times of disagreement and disunity come. This should encourage us to be prepared so that when such circumstances come, we are able to respond in love. We are able to respond by, by focusing our mind, our eye on that Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. We must ardently strive for like-mindedness in the truth of the gospel. And one of the ways that we can avoid sharp disagreements is by seeking the things of Christ in sincerely caring for the state of others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. There Paul says that, that one of the solutions to schism is for members to care for one another. And in our text, Paul uses that same word to commend Timothy. And, and there is an intensity in the language Paul uses when talking about sincerely caring for the state of others. This is not just a passive type of caring. It is a highly active, indeed, almost anxious care for others. It is a care that causes us to think about the other person, to ponder their state, Meditating on ways to be a blessing to them and to show them the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ demonstrated this type of care in Matthew 9, verse 34. In Matthew 9, verse 34, Christ, we read this, And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Christ saw the great need that there was. He saw that there were sheep without a shepherd. And he sincerely cared for their state. He let his desire to care for them lead to action. He taught them many things, showing them the truths of the gospel. He gave them comfort and compassion. He was their comfort and compassion. It is easy to have a desire to care for others, 
but we must be sure to carry that desire to care for others into action. Not simply saying, I, I will pray for you, but actually praying for them. Not simply saying, they must be going through a difficult trial right now, but actually speaking to them, being encouragement to them, showing them the beauty of their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be like our high priest in heaven, who, as Hebrews 4.15 says, can sympathize with our weaknesses and was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Christ has sympathized and cared for us. Let us be diligent disciples of Christ in sympathizing and caring for others. One who cares for others will endeavor to keep the ninth commandment. He will not bear false witness against his neighbor. In other words, he will, sl he will not slander his neighbor. He will not gossip, but will strive for the promoting of the truth. He will desire to protect the good name of his neighbor. He will be sure to follow the steps of Matthew 18 when disagreements and divisions come. He will be quick to confess sin, but he also will be quick to forgive and restore his brother or sister in Christ. And so, let me ask you, are you moved with compassion for your fellow believers? Are you desirous to seek their good above your own? Sometimes our actions and words can illustrate a lack of caring. If I were to see that something was wrong with my wife, and was to ask her, what's wrong? And then as she answers, I just continue going about what I was doing. I'd be illustrating that I actually do not care for her. What I'm doing at that moment is more important than hearing what is bothering her. Our actions can illustrate that we do not truly seek the good of the other. In that moment, I'm not seeking the things of Christ, but I'm seeking my own things. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. The one who truly loves does not seek his own, for love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Christ did not seek his own things when he came to this earth and died for our sins. Christ loved us he sought our good. He sought our salvation when he came to this earth. Let us imitate our Savior by seeking for each other's well-being. Further, it's important to remember that we ought not to love others. We not, ought not to, to care for others because of some benefit we might receive from them. We all have to we have to sincerely care for others. We we do not simply love 
people because they may become, become members of the church. We do not love because they make me feel loved. They make me feel important. They make me feel good. Our love and care for others must be unconditional. A husband may spurn and despise the love that is shown by his wife, but that does not remove her calling to love her husband. Both are called to love. Our affection and approval should not have to be earned. It should be freely given. Finally, Paul calls us to seek the things of Christ by serving in the gospel. Literally, Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 22, But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he slaved with me in the gospel. To serve is to be a slave. It is to have a master. Everybody serves something or somebody. Those who seek their own things serve themselves and their sinful, selfish desire. They are, they are slaves to sin and ultimately slaves of Satan. But those who seek the things of Christ are slaves of a good and a kind and a gracious master. We as believers have a Lord and master who loves us. And that is, uh, and he is a, a wondrous one to serve. There's a oh, joy to serve somebody who truly loves us and seeks our good. When we would seek our own things, when we would serve ourselves, we are running back to our cruel and wicked master. When we seek our own things, we forget who we are and what our identity is. We forget that we are called Christians. We have the name of Christ, but, but we act like we are God. We demand everyone and everything to serve our own sinful purposes. Grievously, it is easy to serve Christ for the wrong reasons. Paul speaks about those who preach Christ for selfish ambition. Paul says in Philippians 1 verses 15 through 17, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. The latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. These men did not serve out of love. They served for their own goals. They labored so that they could be served by others. This is a gross hypocrisy. We must remember that we are slaves of God. A slave does not do his own will for his own reward, but he works for his master's glory. God's will for us as a church to serve in the gospel. Serve, to slave in the gospel. Now, what does that mean? Well, it can mean a whole host of things. Formally, it can mean uh, directly serving God in the church as an elder or as a deacon. 
shepherding the flock of God, ruling over the flock of God, and ministering to the needs of the flock of God are all ways one can serve in the gospel. And yet, every single one of you is called to serve in the gospel. This does not mean, nor can it mean, that all of you are to seek official church office. Rather, serving Christ in the gospel means living in accordance with the name of Christ in whatever vocation or calling you have. This is one area where the glorious diversity of of the church is seen. Yes, we are all to seek the things of Christ, but we seek the things of Christ as we pursue our own various callings in this life. And so, the car mechanic will seek the things of Christ in his day-to-day job. And this will be very distinct from the way a university professor will seek the things of Christ. And the way a mechanic will seek after the things of Christ in his day-to-day job will be different from the way a mother seeks the things of Christ and the way you children seek the things of Christ. Yet they all have that, that, that same goal and desire to glorify God. They are all united in the pursuit of Christ and His glory. Now what are some practical ways that that you can serve in the gospel? Well, in Romans 12, verses 9 through 13, Paul says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. That's an incredible list. It's a comprehensive list of of really what the Christian life is to look like. And the Christian life, if we, we look at it from the stance of Romans 12, is a sacrificial life. It's a sacrificial life that is filled with sacrificial love that we are to exercise with one another in the church and in society. For example, we are to love without hypocrisy. We are not to love in order to get something from the other person. We are not to say, oh, I love my neighbor, and then behind their back criticize them. We are to love with sincerity, being kindly affectionate to one another. We are also to be given towards hospitality. We are to have that that hospitality that the early church was known for, such that they had all things in common and sold their possessions and good for the good of the other. They were going from house to house, eating and drinking, breaking bread with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord blesses a church that has warm and rich hospitality, that sincerely cares for one another, that serves with each other in the gospel. church that follows in these steps is following the Lord who did not come to be served 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just as we have experienced the sacrificial love of Christ, so we ought to demonstrate that same sacrificial love to others by serving in the gospel. So I would summarize what it means to serve in the gospel as loving your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, loving his church, and loving your neighbor in whatever context you find yourself in. John, in 1 John 3, verse 16 says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word and in ton, but in deed and truth. In conclusion, I want to directly apply this passage to our situation. In the context of church planting, as Stillwater looks forward to planting a church in Oklahoma City, it can be tempting to want things. You can want things to be different. And this is not necessarily wrong or sinful. Change is not necessarily sinful. But we must always be on the utmost guard against sinful, selfish wants. We must be on guard against seeking our own things. You can want to be part of a work for the prestige you think it might give you. There can be the wrong mentality that a church plant is a truer church. That it is more faithful to the Great Commission. There can be the mentality that the church planter is a different level of pastor. He's, he's on a higher tier than other pastors. And yet this, these notions must be thrown from our, li- our minds. These notions can lead to bro- uh, proclaiming of Christ out of selfish ambition, to proclaiming of Christ from envy and strife. Paul earnestly warns us not to seek our own things, but to seek the things of Christ. If any of our desires with a church plan start to make seeking the things of Christ a faint shadow, then we need to re-examine our desires. Our desire must be a singular and exclusive desire for the glory of Christ. Our desire for planting a church in Oklahoma City needs to be for Christ and His glory. We need to recognize the great love that Christ has shown to us. We need to go forth and proclaim that God is a God of love. We need to show forth the glory of our Savior, for He alone is worthy of praise and honor. We are not worthy. We are the ones He has saved. 
He alone deserves exaltation. So our souls should be longing with eager expectation for more people to praise Christ in Oklahoma City. Our souls should be desiring to show love to one another and to our neighbors in Oklahoma City that we might follow in the footsteps of our Savior. And so let us seek the things of Christ by being like-minded in the truth by caring for the state of others, and by serving in the gospel of Christ. Let's respond to the preaching of the word by turning in our psalm books to Psalm 105, the A selection. Psalm 105, the A selection. And we notice there in stanza two, let hearts that seek the Lord rejoice, his holy name adore. Oh, seek the Lord, and seek his strength, his face seek evermore. As we seek the things of Christ, our hearts should rejoice. Our hearts should rejoice for he is the Lord of strength. He is the one who grants us the strength to seek him. So let's stand and sing Psalm 105, the A selection.